If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It was beautiful, and that was our last meal as two people without children. And the next time we were sitting in that living room, we had a little baby with us. So that was such a special night for me. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. So this week I have Alex on. I was on Alex's podcast a few months ago. She has a pretty popular podcast. It's called This Family Tree. And we talked all about birth and pregnancy and a bunch of cool stuff on that episode. So definitely go check that out. But Alex came back on my podcast today to talk through two of her births that she had. So Alex is a mom, obviously, (laughs) and she has two girls, and I loved this birth story, these two birth stories so much because Alex had a very medicalized birth, and she made it very clear that her medicalized birth was extremely positive. She felt like you know, there was no beauty taken from her because it was so medicalized. And I think we highlight some of those supernatural, unmedicated, non-medicalized births so much, which those are great, obviously. You know, I love I love those types of births and I love hearing about birth stories. But it's also important to note that you can still have an amazingly wonderful medicalized birth. And Alex did just that with both of her births. They were very, very positive. And I'm so glad that she came onto the podcast and talked all through both of those. So Alex came on and shared a lot about her pregnancy, and then we got into her births. And she also has a podcast, so she's a very good speaker and just a very good storyteller. So I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy her episode. So let's get right into it. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. 
Yeah, I'm super excited too. I was recently on your podcast, so I'm excited to talk to you again and have you come on my podcast. I know. I, lo- I love this swap. And honestly, Liesl, the second you got off my podcast, I was like, damn it. Like, There's so many things I still wanted to ask you and I never got the chance to. And uh, I need to have you back. I'm down. That's so good. No, that's so good. And because you you are so uh, knowledgeable and you're so easy to talk to us. So I really appreciated that as, you know, in a guest, but. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. (laughs) Well, this podcast is about you, not about me. So I want to get to know you, Alex. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, what you do, what your podcast is, all of that good stuff? Absolutely. So my name is Alexandra Cunningham and myself and my husband, Shane Cunningham, we do a podcast together called This Family Tree. Now that's based off of my Instagram account, which I've been doing for uh, a couple years now, I think three years, two and a half. But uh, I basically, I started the whole thing to help me out through a difficult pregnancy. So I have lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. And I was I had high risk pregnancy, and I was one of the first of my friends to get pregnant and to go through that whole thing. So yeah. that was scary in itself, and that was kind of isolating in itself. And then to be high risk, I couldn't relate to any of the people that I knew that already had kids, uh, and it was a very very scary time for me. We had to do lots of tests. I mean, every I feel like once a month there was the situation in which we thought we were going to lose the baby. And I started this family tree um, selfishly (laughs) so that I could, you know, start communicating with other people who were going through a similar thing. And from that, you know, we have a nice little community now. And then my husband, he is on a very successful podcast in Canada called Mike on Much Podcast. So he's already in the game and he is very comfortable with it. So he's like, babe, like, why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we do one together? It could be fun. And I'm all in for, uh, like, keeping my husband and myself. <laughs> so if I can keep him yeah. home on a Saturday night to do a podcast with me, it's the best thing ever. So we talk about parenting. We talk about uh, relationships, marriage, pop culture. And we have just a gamut of people on. So we have people like you, Liesl, um, who are experts in something to do with birth or parenting or pregnancy, something like that. Uh, we have a lot of relationship and marriage experts on as well. But then we also just have some celebs uh, on to talk about cool. whatever we want to talk about. Like, you probably don't know. I don't know how we'll do our... Do you know who Dirt Nasty is? Simon Rex? Uh Wait, hold on. I'm but because he sounds, I, I like, I do. But I'm like, wait, I need to see a picture of him. So, so we'll we'll have we'll have people like him, just like that we liked in our youth or whatever. Oh yeah, and you know him, right? Oh yeah, he was like on um, like MTV and stuff. I think. Yeah, and he was in some movies. He was on like scary yes. movies. Yes, he was in scary movies. What like, I like about you. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So That's cool. <laughs> we just we get these people on, and you know, if they have interesting stories and we'll talk to them about whether it is their childhood, their family life, or yeah. you know, kids of their own, things like that. And we kind of just run the gamut on guests and it is so fun for us. And yeah, we get to meet, you know, awesome people like you and make these great connections. But yeah, check out this family tree for some laughs. It's a lot of laughs. 
it's a lot of tears. Shane and I will hash out arguments on air and things like that. But it's become a very therapeutic and um, fun thing for us to do. That's cool. That's awesome. It's probably like a nice, cool way that you guys can bond together too. Oh, it's like so fun. To do and yeah, yeah. No, well, that's that's super cool. Even on Wednesdays now, like we've ha- we're having so much fun with our Saturday night podcast that on Wednesday night it's, we have date night every single Wednesday, and mm-hmm. uh, we crack open some wine and just like nice. have a good time. And yeah. we decided we're like, why don't we do a date night podcast where we do our wine <laughs> that we normally do just the two of us? We'll do it on air with anybody who wants to learn about wine, and then we'll yeah. talk solely about relationship stuff. So. Yeah, that that's become its own thing now too, which is lots of fun. I love it. I'm gonna have to. Okay, you just gave me a new idea. I'm gonna do a date night because we have a date night once a week too. So I'm do like, you? maybe maybe I'll have. Yeah, we do ours on Thursdays. Nice. And I'm like, maybe I'll have Brian come on. We could do a podcast episode together and have mommy labor nurse episode date night with. I don't know. We'll see. Get <laughs> we'll a couple see glasses of wine in you. Who knows. <laughs> It sounds fun though. I love oh, it. It's so fun. Well, today, I know you talked a little bit about your pregnancy and being high risk. I want to hear more about that um, mm-hmm. because it's the mommy labor nurse podcast. We talk about birth a lot, a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I want to hear about your pregnancies. So Alex, if you could go back um, and tell us with your lupus, did you, have you had that like before you got pregnant or was that something that you got diagnosed afterwards or kind of, I want you to talk about that and then talk about the process of getting pregnant. We know how people get pregnant. Not that. <laughs> Are you sure <laughs> you don't have the details? Of- <laughs> Good. I don't want to have that explicit rating for this episode. So don't talk about that part, but tell me how you found out and let's just go back, go back you know, to that time that not a lot of us remember, but some of, of us course. are still holding on to of what it was like, you know, before you had any kids. Of course. Well, here's the thing, Liesl, without getting explicit, I will tell you about how it happened, how it all happened, because cool. that's its own story as well. So love it. Uh, love it. Shane and I had met in like the summer of 2015. After our first date, we were pretty much um, monogamous and exclusive. And six months later, we decided, like, let's do it. Let's get married. Like, we're both in for it. We know what we want. This is what we want. So got married three months later because I am not a planner. So, like, if we waited a year, it would I would have put in the same amount of effort as if we just got married. So yeah. we had a big Go back- for it. Right? Yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. And we had a big backyard wedding, uh, barbecue, everything. It was such a blast. And then we had a year of wedded bliss, just the two of us. And we were having so much fun that we're like, hey, what what could make this even more fun and more exciting and more of a challenge? But let's bring a kid into this. Yeah. And, right? That's what they all say. <laughs> more right. fun. I'm doing air quotes as I say that. Uh, so we were on vacation um, in Canada's East Coast for our, our first anniversary. And it was like the night of our anniversary. We're having a great time and we're at a karaoke bar and Shane decided to sing me. Um, and like we like put on a whole like character, but he sang me uh, Enrique Iglesias hero, like in nice. front of the whole karaoke bar. And he was like doing these like fake sexy dance moves and everything. And then some guys across the bar, like real jock guys started throwing mm-hmm. like uh, limes and lemons at him as he's doing Aww. it. And you're just Boo. ruining the fun, right? 
<laughs> I went over to them and I start knocking off all their baseball caps off their head. Then I may have thrown a drink onto the main perpetrator. All right. You sound so- like somebody that I want to hang out with <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> I haven't had a night like this in a while, so I can use it. But uh so anyway, it turned into this big whole thing. We got kicked out of the bar. They got kicked out of the bar. It was a big shebang. Shane and I are like on a high from singing for each other, defending each other and having. Yeah. So we went back to our hotel and we're like, let's make a baby tonight. Like, this is it. (laughs) Anyhow, first try. We had not tried before then. It -hmm. worked. We did not try after either because we just wanted to see. It worked. And uh, I realized I was pregnant, what, like three weeks, four weeks later um, and it was so surreal. It was so surreal because I did not think that it was going to happen as quickly as it did, specifically mm-hmm. with my health problems. So when I was 23, yeah. I got diagnosed with lupus. I was in and out of the hospital a lot um, in the span of one year. My organs inside my chest would swell up and water would collect on the bottom. And it mm-hmm. kept happening. I didn't know why. I was really athletic. I was really healthy and uh it, it just seemed so odd to me that I was getting so sick all the time and need to be hospitalized. What um, what sort of symptoms did you have? Uh, so I've always had Raynaud's, which um, means like my hands. Yeah, with okay. the yeah. yeah. So uh, the blood vessels like collapse in your extremities and you don't have good blood yeah. flow. Um, and then for me, my my organs would swell and fluid would collect. So that would result in tremendous pain, like tremendous pain where, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I couldn't, like, I couldn't sit up in bed because I'd be weighed down by the swelling and just breathing hurt. So I'd have to be rushed to the hospital. Like it, like pretty terrible. Um, but so anyway, so after a year of testing, they diagnosed me with lupus and I remember my first, when, when I was given the diagnosis, this was my first rheumatologist, my first doctor. And she sat me down. She said, well, you know, you have lupus. It's going to affect your life in this way, that way, that way, whatever. And you may, you will probably not have children. And I was like 23. I wasn't expecting, like, I didn't ask about kids. She didn't ask if we could talk about family stuff. So it kind of just, it hit me really hard. And I I left that appointment right there crying. So I was like, this is too much. You did not do this in a, in a considerate way. Uh, Yeah. Also untrue, right? I mean, oh, obviously you have kids, right? I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm like, I, I feel like I've taken care of patients who have lupus Lots. and that's completely untrue. Yes. So Lots. shame on that provider. That's the thing. So many women with lupus and with other autoimmune diseases have yeah. children and it's like, it was fairly uncomplicated in the grand scheme of things too, for me, all you have to do is you have to make sure your disease is under control. So, you know, take your meds, whatever, no flare ups. And if you conceive when you're in a period of not having any flare ups, then that is the healthiest time to do it. Uh, So I wasn't at the time and they, my providers, I switched providers, obviously. And uh, my new provider is amazing. So she was describing to me that it's like a rule of thirds. So one third of women with autoimmune diseases will flare up during pregnancy or postpartum. Another third will remain the exact same as they were. Mm-hmm. And another third will have like a relief of like all of their symptoms and they'll feel the best that they ever have in their life. So it, it, it is really interesting. 
And you can just kind of, yeah. yeah. All right. That baby crying means it is time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right. So this submission is from Ina Jonathan. I I think that's how you say her name. It's from Ina on Instagram. So this one was only a few days ago, actually. So Ina says, I took your Birth It Up Natural Series course. I watched it at 16 weeks, then again at 34 weeks. I felt so prepared going into labor. I had a plan in my head that I wanted to have a safe, healthy, and unmedicated delivery, but knew the main goal was safe and healthy for baby and mama. I was able to deliver unmedicated, and as a first-time mom, only pushed for 17 minutes. All of my nurses and doctors were so impressed with how educated I was as a first-time mom throughout my pregnancy, and I attribute it completely to your course. Thank you so much. That is so sweet. Thank you so much. I love when people say, you know, I love for you guys to have the births that you want to have. Of course, this mom was successful in going on medicated. That's what she wanted to do. But I so much love it when you guys say, I felt prepared. I felt educated. I felt ready going into birth. That is what I am trying to achieve when I am putting out these birth courses and when I'm having you guys take these birth courses. So that just warms my heart when people say that, that they felt super prepared and super ready. So if you are interested in checking out the course that Ina took, she took the natural series. So you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the natural series to learn more. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. So when I found out I was pregnant, I started getting, like I I was flaring up in pregnancy, unfortunately, Uh, but I started, my fingernails started peeling, which is another sign, another symptom of lupus. So the skin Mm -hmm. around like your nail beds, it, it Mm -hmm. gets very swollen and red and then the skin starts peeling and it's, it's kind of gross. My nails are usually quite nice, I will say, but that was, that was really painful. And I was like, Ooh, this is weird. I wonder if, like, did we do it in one try, babe? Like, did we get pregnant? And then I took a test and we were. Oh, wait. So you had your, like, the symptoms, your fingers were doing weird things before you even found out you were pregnant. Yeah. So that's when I took the test because I was like, this is an odd new symptom. So then we found out I was pregnant. And, well, I found out I was pregnant. And then uh, I told the woman at our local pharmacy because I went back to get another test just to make sure. I was like, I think I'm right now. And I'm like crying and she's hugging me. And Aww. it was this whole like really nice thing. Like she's, you know, I've been buying my makeup <laughs> off her for 15 years. And uh, then I was like, I can't keep secrets. So how do I tell my husband? And he had left for work already that day. And I was like, do I just call him and tell him now? Like, I'm so excited. I can't keep it in. But I, I bought a card uh, and then I, I wrote, you know, like a – you're a dad now, whatever. It was very sentimental and sweet. But uh, I wrote that to him and I gave it to him when I picked him up um, because he has to commute every day for work. He takes a train. So I picked him up at the train station, gave him the thing. We had this big, huge moment. And then he actually left for Miami the next day for a friend's bachelor party. (laughs) Oh, fun. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here alone in my new pregnancy. And I was already starting to feel very symptomatic, like incredibly. Mm -hmm. I was incredibly emotional. uh, And I'm already quite emotional person. So, you know, it was quite extreme. So I went up north to our family cottage with my parents. And I was trying to wait for the proper moment to tell them. 
and it was in the, I was, I was making a Caesar salad. I was trying to make the, the dressing from scratch, like with real egg whites and anchovies. And it was this whole big process and I couldn't Good get it. <laughs> Thank you. But it, <laughs> it didn't taste right. And I couldn't get it tasting right. And I just started bawling. Like I broke down the mm. kitchen, started bawling. My family is like, what the heck is wrong? With Alex, like, what's going on today? I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that turned into a whole other thing. But um, yeah, that it was odd because so many of the symptoms that I experienced in that pregnancy, especially in the first trimester, were just weird symptoms. Like, if you look up online the strangest pregnancy symptoms that you know zero point two percent of the people have experienced. Yeah. I got those. Like, um, have you ever oh. heard of the, geez, I just called them like exploding mouth blisters. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Um, I mean, just like fever bl- blisters. So they like were getting, they were like inside my gum line. Like canker sores? So like they canker were, sores? No. They were like on the other side. So like canker sores, are, hmm. well, typically like here, right? Like on the outside of your teeth. These yeah. ones were inside under my tongue and oh. they were hard. And I just oh, kept gosh. feeling these things growing. And I'm like, what is that? And it feels like a pea or something. And then they'd get to the – they'd swell to the size of like a grape. And then oh, – wow. okay, I'm so sorry. And listeners, like, this is gross. It's okay. Share. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, they'd, like, explode. they just yeah. explode. And then I'd have this, like, stuff inside my mouth. And I'd have to, like, yeah. spit it out and rinse. And it was super disgusting. Then I'd have, like, an open sore for a little bit. Then it would go away and then they'd grow again. And this happened for the first 12 weeks. And I okay, didn't. Public service announcement. Like <laughs> this is a thing because I've never heard of this. Is that, was, did it have something to do with your lymphatic system, you think? Like was it lymph nodes? No, my. No, you my, don't know? My dentist and my I'm rheumatologist it. do it. Yeah. No, my dentist <laughs> and my rheumatologist both said that it's a very uncommon pregnancy system yeah. tell me i've if, never heard of it if you if you <laughs> find something right now tell me what it's called because i have no idea mouth ulcers i have canker sores thrush during pregnancy is common i've seen the name for it yeah i'll get i'll get you the name i'll send you the name i'll try to find it but they did have okay. a name um okay. anyhow so that was pretty awful you know i i had i think a pretty standard morning sickness thing Nothing too out of line, but I was getting sick every morning or every day. Um, and then, uh, you know, at least, but I was like, oh, I'm getting sick. This is all good. And, you know, you're supposed to in a sense. So I felt quite comfortable up until yeah. uh, I, we had like the preliminary genetic testing done. And then they said there was a, like a one in 80 chance that uh, my baby would have a chromosomal abnormality. So they said, look, like you can get blood work. That'll take, you know, like three weeks to find out if there is anything or you can get an amniocentesis and that'll be basically 100% accurate, like 99% accurate. And uh, you'll get those results within, you know, like five days or something like that or a week. So I said, okay, like that took me aback because of course nobody wants to hear that there's going to be any complications. And you know, I've had some people say, oh, well, like, how would that change how much you love that child? Like, why would it matter if you, your child had Down syndrome or trisomy 13 or something like that? And I'm a teacher. I'm a very yeah. knowledge-based person. I don't like not knowing things. So if my child is going to have yeah. a chromosomal abnormality, 
I need to know about it so I can prepare myself. I can educate myself on how I can best care for this child. I can change my house. Like if I need to install a ramp for wheelchair, if I need to put things bedside, like I need to start preparing my life to possibly care for a child with a lot of medical needs. And it won't change my love for the child. It won't change anything. I just want to be prepared because you got enough surprises when they hand you that baby. Personally, I don't also want to be surprised with a serious medical condition, you know? Yeah, totally makes sense. I'm glad you touched on that too, because I think that's the only reason that we hear a lot for doing that genetic, like if, mm-hmm. if your genetic testing comes back like it did for yours, something is abnormal. That is one of the very common reasons mm-hmm. that, you know, we hear people say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to love my child any differently, blah, 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 blah. But that's, that's very true though. What you just said about, okay, yeah. I just want to know so I can prepare my house. So I can prepare mm-hmm. myself. So we, we opted for the amniocentesis. So that was both yeah. uh, an incredibly scary experience and fascinating. Oh my gosh. It was so yeah. fascinating. Like I, I kind of loved it. So we went yeah. in and, you know, we see the baby on the ultrasound. Then they pull out this needle and the needle's like the size of my arm. <laughs> yeah. Big. So I, I know. Got, I know they so, are know, big. I got yeah. scared at that yeah. point. And then it was kind of neat. So I was watching on the ultrasound and you see like the world of the baby there. And then you see this needle entering mm-hmm. the uterus and well, the, yeah. the amniotic sac to gather fluid. Mm-hmm. And it was so wild to see mm-hmm you know, this thing from our world enter baby world. And, you know, again, just like the Mm -hmm. amazing, especially in Canada, I mean, we have access to free healthcare. And so none of this, I don't know what it would be like for you guys in the States. Would that cost money? Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, It kind of depends on your insurance. For most people, I would say it is Mm -hmm. an additional charge, but not for everyone. It just, it it really just depends. I mean, we, we do, we certainly do amniocentesis often, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's needed. Um, but, but yeah, they're very, they're very, and I've, I've, I've assisted with a few, not very many, um, (laughs) but they are very interesting to see because you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. They have the ultrasound. You can see that needle and gather the fluid. Um, I did want to ask you, I know a lot of people when they hear amniocentesis and they hear big needle, um, did they give you any numbing medication to numb you up or like, what was the amount of pain? They could have put like a topical thing on, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't remember if they did. I don't recall. Honestly, I don't think so. Um, it was like a bee sting. Yeah. It was like a bee sting. Like I was reading that it didn't hurt at all. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is great. So yeah. thinking that it wasn't going to hurt at all and then feeling pain at the sight of the, you know, the needle, Yeah, it, it took me back a little bit, but yeah. it was okay once yeah. it was in. Um, and then the only thing okay. is, of course, there, you know, it does carry risk. So uh, we, yeah, I wasn't too worried about that. Um, I just felt like nothing was going to go wrong. But then I went to work uh, the next day or that afternoon or something. And um, I started having really terrible stomach pains. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is scary. Like this is the risk. What if something happens? So 
I had to go home um, from work and I stayed home for the rest of the week on my doctor's orders. So everything, everything was fine. And it was really interesting during the amniocentesis. That's when we found out the gender of our baby, the sex of our baby. So the doctor was like, Oh, "Oh, do you know what you're having? And I was like, no, like it's still early. We usually don't find out until like the 20 week mark. Right. So uh, they go, Oh, it's super obvious. So my husband and I looked at each other. We're like, it's a boy. We're having a boy. And then we're like, well, what is it? And she goes, it's a girl. And I was like, how is that obvious? Like, is it? Are you sure? Like, is she just sitting there like <laughs> vagina facing the camera kind of? And she was. Like, that's definitely yeah. <laughs> So it was quite yeah. obvious. Um, so that was super exciting too. So, you know, we left the amniocentesis feeling nervous about the results, but also just with that little piece of knowledge about our baby. Like, it was a little girl and it was just yeah. – it helped us to kind of bond with her even more, especially my husband and husbands are left out of a lot of these process, like, you know, because they're not the ones growing it. They don't feel everything. So for him to have been there, it was Mm -hmm. super special. Uh, And then I just remember the waiting for the results, that span of, you know, a week or whatever it was, five days. uh, And I cried myself to sleep every single night, just I was so nervous. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I was so nervous. I was so scared. Yeah. Uh, because again, you want life to be, you want your, you want ideally your kids to start off in the easiest place, right? No complicated health issues. Yeah. Uh, yep. So that they can just enjoy life to the fullest. And here's the thing, not saying you can't if you don't have a perfect bill of health, but you want to give your kid, I'd say, the easiest chance at life, right? Yeah. So I, I agree. That was a really sure. hard period. Um, For sure. And then we found out she was going to be okay through the amnio. Uh, and that was amazing. And then, you know, we we're kind of moving on through the second trimester. Everything's going well. You know, you got the full head of hair. You're looking great. You're glowing. Everything, <laughs> everything's nice. Uh, however, yeah. with lupus um, and uh, with a lot of women with um, autoimmune disorders, you need to go and get um, echocardiograms to check out your baby's your baby's heart development. Because with lupus, one of the major complications, other than preeclampsia, is heart defects. Uh, so we were going every two weeks, which was mm-hmm. also kind of nice because then I got to see on the ultrasound the baby every two weeks. Uh, yeah. But in yeah. at the beginning of the third trimester, they uh, discovered that she had coarctation of the aorta, and would likely have needed heart sur- mm-hmm. open heart surgery within like two hours of delivery. So that threw wow. us for another loop. <laughs> and another, uh, yeah. I remember somebody yeah. in that phase telling me that I looked tired, and I just. I, in my head, I, I didn't say anything to them because I was too tired to even respond to that. I just remember like squeezing my husband's leg and just being like, get me out of here. But it's like, no, yeah. S, I'm tired, you know? Like, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. No, like, why verbalize that? It was a really hard <laughs> phase, and that one moment has stuck with me for some reason. It was just really hard. And then, uh, about yeah. two weeks before yeah. delivery. So by this point, we'd left my high-risk hospital and we were going to an even more high-risk hospital where they could uh, facilitate a surgery right after birth. Um, and then it was there that they said, hey, you know what? Actually, 
your child doesn't have coarctation of the aorta. We just have this was like a month oh, or Lord. two months of sheer panic. Okay, Lisa. So uh, she didn't have coarctation, oh. and they go, "Yeah, we just had such a clear image uh, of the echocardiogram for some reason. Like my body responds. It's been like this for both pregnancies really well to ultrasound." And uh, they go, yeah, we just uh-huh. can see this heart like more clear than we have. And it's just, we didn't know what this was, but that's in every other thing. It just looked so much more pronounced on yours or something. Oh. Anyway, so we left and like, oh. it was, it was, it was wild. <laughs> so it was just such a roller coaster of emotions. And that really does take a toll again, when you're trying to prepare for, for a baby, this is the biggest yeah. change in your life. So anyhow. Yeah. It's now, you know, two weeks or three weeks before my due date and the baby doesn't seem to be growing. So mm-hmm. she looks about four pounds. Uh, so my yeah. my doctor says, mm-hmm. okay, look, like I'd like to induce a little bit early because it doesn't look like she's getting anything from your placenta anymore. And if we could get her nourished from the outside, let's do that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, yes, whatever. Yeah. Like I've already suffered so much for this baby. Whatever we can do to keep her healthy, let's do it. Yeah. It's August, and August always means lots of change for our family. Walter bumps up in his new daycare class, and Rylan is getting ready to start school soon, too. I've really been trying to spend more quality time with the boys now that I'm working more, so I decided to try out a new subscription box from KiwiCo for both of the boys. If your daily routine involves taking care of a little one or two, why not switch things up with a Panda Crate box from KiwiCo? Panda Crate is a subscription box filled with playful, open-ended activities backed by research and designed especially for naturally curious and creative babies and toddlers. With a Panda Crate subscription box from KiwiCo, your baby receives a new crate filled with two months worth of products and content every other month. Whether you have a brand new newborn or a trailblazing toddler, the Panda Crate is perfect for your little one's developing brain. Personally, I've loved playing with the mooing cow with Ryland. He just started saying moo when I ask him, what does the cow say? And I can't help but think it's because we play with his little cow every morning. Panda Crate supports your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life with science-backed products that support child-led play and encourage open-ended exploration. Each crate includes age-specific products designed by experts and backed by researchers at Seattle Children's Hospital to help babies at every stage learn by doing what they do best, playing and exploring. Build a foundation for every learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping at kiwico.com slash MLN50. That's half off your first month at kiwico.com slash MLN50. And now let's get right back into this week's episode. So they induced me, I think about a week before my, my due date. Um, so I had the prostaglandin. Well, I had to stretch and sweep, which mm-hmm. is so unpleasant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then I had the not prost- so fun. No, I had the prostaglandin gel next, um, mm-hmm. which I had high hopes for. You know, I, I knew a couple people who went into labor after that. Mm-hmm. No such luck. Uh, then what? The day after, two days after the prostaglandin gel, I had a fully diagram, uh, fully diagram, a fully catheter. Catheter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And 
That was super interesting. Uh, so, like, I'm sure you guys have talked about those before, right? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, we've had birth stories where people have talked about Foley catheters. They're generally not the most fun to talk about because they're not super <laughs> comfortable. No. But you may certainly talk about your experience if it was if it was uh, out of this world. <laughs> no, you know, definitely not out of this world. Um, but so it was, it was interesting. It was like, I don't know, I think it was like a Thursday night and – my doctor was like, okay, look, like we're going to put the Foley in tonight and tomorrow we're going to give you a Pitocin drip. So you're going into labor either tonight because of the Foley or tomorrow because of the Pitocin. So prepare yourselves because tomorrow you're having a baby. And I was like, okay, great. So they put this catheter in, they blow up the balloon. So essentially, and you might be able to do a better job describing it than me, but they put this catheter in and it goes through your cervix and below the amniotic sac. And then they blow up this Mm -hmm. balloon, which like pushes the amniotic sac away from the cervix. Is that what happens? Yeah. It kind of separates it a little bit and it kind of, um, I know listeners can't really see me, but yeah, it kind of like, if this is your cervix, it kind of like the it goes inside your cervix and then Mm -hmm. the balloon kind of sits right at the top and it starts to push like as baby's pushing down and the balloon is pushing down, it's like dilating and softening your cervix and eventually it comes out. Yeah. So they're like, if you can give it like a little tug every once in a while. Right. 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 So I'm just like, I'm like, I get very competitive even with myself. So I give it a little tug and I'm like, Ooh, like this really hurts. I'm like, next time I'm going to try to do it a little more though. And then I really started, like I got comfortable with it and I knew to brace myself. And then I'd really start yanking it. And like, that sounds so weird. You got to cut that. I really started like (laughs) giving it a good pull once like an hour, right. Or every time I went pee and, uh, it's gross. Like it's gross. So this little, catheter starts it fills with blood as time goes on like as like just things drain like you know fluid and blood and whatever and it's taped to your leg so it just looks gross so you're just walking around with like a little bag of blood on your leg uh which is fun and you're getting contractions throughout this process so when it finally falls out it's amazing and that night because we knew we were gonna have a baby the next day or within the next 48 hours anyway we had a beautiful dinner uh, like beautiful steak dinner. I asked my doctor if I could have like a touch of red wine and she's like, go for it. So I had a yeah. little red wine with like a really expensive steak that we cooked at home. It was beautiful. And that was our last meal as two people with our children. And That's the next great. time we were sitting in that living room, we had a little baby with us. So that was such a special night for me. Um, anyhow, so the fully fell out the next morning. And then I instantly felt better. Like I didn't have any more pain, no more contractions. Went to the hospital and they started the Pitocin drip and everything's like so good at first. Like we're in this beautiful room. My husband is playing like comedy movies on his cell phone that we've like put up on some contraption. So it looks like, you know, we're watching TV. We're listening to music. He's giving me foot rubs. Like we're all smiles. And then, of course, you know, the levels of Pitocin start to increase. You start to get contractions. And then things started getting a little, especially because, like, I didn't didn't know what to expect, obviously, as my first kid. Nobody does the first time, really. (laughs) I mean, it's like you can prepare, right? You can do as much preparation, but you you really, truly, you you don't know what that 
can those yeah. contractions feel like until you go through them? Of course. Or the other things that are going to yeah. go through your head. And like, so right. my birth was incredibly medical because it had to be. Um, yeah. I had so many complications. I was high risk and I had no problem with that. I had no problem with it because I just wanted to do the whatever was going to be safest for myself and yeah. for my baby. Uh, yeah. But to prepare for birth, I watched a lot of um, birthing videos online. Yeah. But the good. Typically, the people that are putting up birthing videos and sharing them are the people doing like holistic births and like yes. the Zen birthing and water births. Yes. Which, you know, was nothing like I experienced. However, I found it so comforting to watch because I said, like, look, this woman, she's so powerful. Like, it's amazing. She's on all fours delivering her baby in a little pool and like her toddler sitting there watching and the husband's catching mm-hmm. the baby. And it it was so empowering and it was so cathartic. And I loved watching those. So I'd my mind would keep going to those videos. Even though my birth looked different, it didn't matter. I was still going through the same experience. Yeah. And so I kept thinking about those as the contractions got worse. Um, and I asked for an epidural, which I knew I was probably going to do. No shame in that. Absolutely loved it. However, with my first birth, and I got to say everything – with my first and second birth is pretty much the same. We went through the same trials, the same scares. Okay. okay. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was hard. Uh, and and in induction again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But for my first birth, it, it's a learning hospital. So I had some students come in and they, they asked gotcha. permission. Yeah, so they asked permission mm-hmm. if the student could give me the epidural. And I was like, yeah, for sure, you know, like whatever. You know, yeah. doctors have to learn. Um, yeah. However, my student didn't do the greatest job. <laughs> and Ugh. so he – I just remember. It's like everything's great. Me and my husband have a real vibe going on, right? The lights are low. We have cool music playing. Then a team of yeah. doctors come in. So there's the doctor, the anesthesiologist, and then there's maybe four or five fellows or students, residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just like the lights go on. It looks all of a sudden like a really sterile medical room. And I'm surrounded by people in white cloaks looking at me. The vibe mm-hmm. changed. And then they have me, you know, sit at the end of the bed and try to breathe through my contractions because, of course, you can't move when you're getting the epidural. Mm-hmm. And that's when things got really scary for me because I felt like I was going to pass out from my contractions, which, you know, I wouldn't have, but it it was it was scary with all these yeah. people around me and with the lights up super bright all of a sudden. So I remember just kind of like grabbing my husband and he's staring at me, looking at me and holding me. And I'm just squeezing him as hard as I can. And like he'll talk about that moment about how scary it was for him because like I left my body. I was not there. And I was like Aww. in a catatonic weird state while mm-hmm. I was getting the epidural because they had inserted the needle but he he couldn't get it in my spine. I guess he couldn't get it in fully. So he had yeah. to like basically stab me with the needle about three times um, to get yeah. it in. And each one of those stabs is still into your spine. So it, yeah. it's still – it was awful. And then when they finally did get it in, uh, it was only on my right side. And I couldn't – so they tried to mm-hmm. move me. So it would go to my left side. Nothing was working. So we had to come back in and then – do it again to get it on my left side. 
Did the, did the student do it again or did like, did oh, the student the, did it again? Oh, the student <laughs> did it again. Okay. okay. So the, it was just, uh, you know, that, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure I could have asked for the anesthesiologist to do yeah. it. Yeah. But at that point I was just like, just it's like, I don't care. Just do no. It. <laughs> so yeah. that was horrendous. Anyhow, finally had the epidural coursing through my veins, finally feeling good. And yeah, then I fell asleep. Like I was feeling great. I fell asleep and I was like, okay, let's get a little bit of rest before the baby comes. And then my husband, you know, he's sleeping as well. About two hours later, because they told us it might take a very long time after you get the epidural uh, and with the Pitocin as well. So about two hours after the epidural, uh, the doctor comes in um, to do like the OB to do just a little check, sticks their hand up and they go, Alexandra, you are going to have this baby right now. Uh, so <laughs> dad, do you want to, so Shane, my Wake husband, up! right? He, he gets up and he's like, he just stands there for a second. He's like, Oh, uh, uh, I, I, need to, I need to go to the bathroom. He runs to the bathroom, which is in our room. And I thought he was like going to the bathroom. He just had to collect himself, like splash water on his yeah. face. Cause it was just so sudden. So he comes <laughs> out and, uh, and then from there it was, it was very quick. So, um, I pushed for 12 minutes uh, nice. and like that was really like my act. I didn't feel much of active labor, right? Cause I, I was feeling it yeah. for maybe an hour, got the epidural, then nothing. And then yeah. I was pushing. Um, yeah. So the baby was coming with my daughter, Lucy. So she was coming so quickly uh, and my body was not prepared for it. Cause when you're pushing and if you are pushing for a long time, your perineum has, a much better chance of staying intact, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's stretching slowly out as the baby's head is kind of pulsating. But yeah. Lucy was just coming out so fast that it was screwing on my perineum and it was a danger to her. Her heart rate started going down because yeah. she was just kind of met with like, a, you know, a tight perineum. Yeah. Um. So they asked if I wanted an episiotomy. Uh, I didn't know what that was. Um, somehow that got left out of my research. So I didn't, yeah. and here's the thing, I didn't research intervention very much before yeah. my birth. So I didn't really, uh, understand what was going on. Here's the, I would have done it a hundred times over. I just wish I would have known what that was going to be what like. What exactly they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So they cut me, um, and it was like severely, like it was big uh, and then Lucy came right out and then it was, it was the most incredible moment. Like I, I know you probably hear that with every birth story. It was incredible. It, it, <laughs> it's all, I mean, it's always like, I love every single time. It never gets old. Never gets no. old. That's why I still love doing bedside care too. I still love being at the bedside every once in a while. And I love doing birth stories obviously, but yeah, truly like people ask me that question too. Is like, okay, do you ever, I mean, just like any job, you know, you think like mm-hmm. uh, sometimes stuff gets old. Of course, like there are things that routine kind of things about your job that like nobody mm-hmm. likes to do X, Y, Z, but like when that moment happens, yeah, I don't, that, that honestly never gets old seeing someone. And that's why it's such a privilege for me to have the job that I do and to be able to witness that because that's such a private, yeah. amazing moment that, you know, you, you per- personally, people only get to experience that for a few times, you know, depending mm-hmm. on how many children that you have, but nurses and doctors and people that, you know, are in the field, we get to 
do that every single day of yeah. our jobs and it's so special. So yeah, truly it never gets old. I love it. Love well, it so and, and Liesl too, like in your position. So I, I think of you and you kind of remind me of my bedside nurse that day. And it was like, cool. so they put the Lucy on me, they put my baby on me and immediately, like, you know, I'm staring at her for a second. I'm sobbing just, yeah. you know, cause I'm tired and cause I'm so excited. And then she immediately starts rooting, right. And looking yeah. for my press. And yeah. then I, I, I know what to do. Cause I've read about it, but I didn't really know what to do. And like the sweetest nurse and I have so many pictures that we took, like, without asking. Like, my husband was just snapping away, right? And I have so many pictures of this, like, angel woman. And she, honestly, it makes me so emotional. Because um, in that first, like, 10 minutes, she was so helpful to me and so kind. Yeah. Um, and so she just kind of, like, helped me get started breastfeeding. So I was feeding my daughter and she's like giving me water to drink. Like she's like holding the water in my mouth. She's like got a hand on my shoulder and like I was feeding yeah. my daughter and it just felt so comforting. Yeah. And like I love those pictures that I'm – she's in with me. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know her. Uh, I actually ended up posting one on my Instagram account and I was like this woman was the best. It was like, you know, my daughter's first birthday and I'm like I'm never going to forget this woman. And then she ended up contacting me because she was like, hey, somebody oh. I know saw me being posted. And then we kind of talked. Oh, cool. And that was like a very special, a very special connection. Yeah. Um, but yet that was like, it was super wonderful. And, you know, I, I know people, I think, when they think of medicated births um, and births with a lot of intervention, I think in their minds, a lot of beauty gets stripped away from that. And... Yeah. Both of my births. So, you know, Betty's is my youngest and hers was very similar. The only difference is that 15 minutes after I got my epidural, she came flying out. Uh, oh, so she was the same <laughs> except co- much quicker. Yeah. Got it. So that I, happens a lot. <laughs> it was great. So I got my epidural. And here's the thing. Like I went in and Pitocin drip, wasn't feeling anything, started getting contractions, got the epidural after like a half hour of contractions just because I knew I wanted it out of the way. Yeah. 15 minutes after the epidural, I called the doctor. I was like, well, the nurse. And I was like, this is coming. I feel like I have to poop. That's probably the baby. Uh, And then five minutes of pushing and three pushes and she was out. Wow. And like, again, so beautiful. Yeah. And did you get an episiotomy the second time or you didn't? Okay. No. So, um, I tore a little bit. I actually healed terribly from my episiotomy the first time. There's a lot of uh, scar tissue. Yeah. 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 Like weird scar tissue formations. Um, Like really awful. So I told my OB, I was like, hey, like, is there any way you can give me like little vaginoplasty during the second birth and make me look normal again? And she was like, yeah, no problem. So they ended up doing some cutting anyway. Um, mm-hmm. of the scar tissue and then mm-hmm. they fixed everything and everything was amazing. But, oh, and, nice. and yeah. And like, that's another thing, right? So I had, you know, uh, heavily medicated, well, heavily watched or supervised pregnancies. I had yeah. high risk births surrounded by a lot of medical staff. I had interventions. Uh, I had inductions and it doesn't take away even in the slightest from the beauty of the birth. And yeah. that's one thing I hear people are that's so right. scared to have their dream, their dream birth 
different and to have to get a C-section or be induced or have an episiotomy because they're like, oh, like, you know, I failed or it's not as natural and as beautiful as I wanted it to be. It is so freaking beautiful. And those two moments of my life, you know, the birth of both my daughters were just like, I I don't know. I'm getting emotional again. Oh, my God. But (laughs) Okay, that's why I love birth stories. I love to bring out the emotion in the yeah. people. Yeah, no, nothing. You're good. No, nothing it's amazing. I, I mean, it, exactly. Nothing compares. And I love how you said that too, because I, I think that's the problem with um, a lot of those natural based, like we have a natural series, okay, mm-hmm. birth series for people who are more interested in going natural, but then we have the epidural series too for mm-hmm. moms who are more interested in medicalized birth, which is perfectly fine. And that's what, that's the problem that I have with some of those natural birth courses, Mm -hmm. um, natural based courses is they set people up there. There are some really fabulous ones out there, but they set people up for that type of birth. And then when an ounce of it changes, there's a lot of failure, like I'm a failure feelings. So yeah, I'm so glad that you said that though, that Mm -hmm. birth can still be super, super incredible, amazing, even when it looks like that, because that's 100% true. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, no problem. And it's (laughs) like, you know, moms get put under the microscope so much from the second we get pregnant. Every decision we make, everything we do is questioned by society, by our bosses, by maybe parents, by friends, hopefully not by our spouse, but maybe by our partner. Um, And everything is just so under a microscope. So to put that really beautiful moment and to take anything away from that and tell or not necessarily tell because I don't think anybody's doing that, but to lead a woman to feel like she is failing in some way or not living up to what her body can do naturally because she chooses a medical birth or because she has to get a C-section or an intervention is BS. Like I, I won't swear on a podcast, but like it's, it's BS <laughs> <laughs> because nobody is deserving of that. And I mean, geez, without interventions, like, do you know how many women were dying each year giving birth? Do you know in third world exactly. countries, how many women are still dying giving birth in America exactly. and in Canada? Women in the black population, so many dying, giving birth because a lot of health providers do not take their concerns seriously. So this is an ongoing. We've done a whole podcast on that. That's very, very important. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's something that happens and don't take that away from that. Any woman, let each woman's story be her own, be unique and be beautiful and, you know, stop stop making any any mom, any pregnant woman, any whatever feel shame for their choices because there's no room in life to carry that burden when you already have so much going on. There's really not. Mm. Totally agree with you. Well, Alex, thank you so much for sharing all of this. <laughs> this was amazing. Can you, I know you said about your podcast, This Family Tree in the beginning, but can you just remind our listeners where they can, where we, most of my listeners come from Instagram. So tell us your Instagram, tell us where where, um, we can find you elsewhere on the web. Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am This Family Tree, all one word, This Family Tree. uh, And that's where I, that's where I do pretty much everything. Um, And then- on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts, wherever you want to listen to them, you can find 
this family tree podcast. Uh, so we do a Saturday night podcast where we episode where we interview two guests, um, typically an expert and then like a celeb type or an author or something like yeah. that. And then my husband and I, you know, we do a little banter you do your off date. the top. And you do your date night one on, on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, right? Now. If you if you want a little spice in <laughs> your it. life, a little spice in your life, come by for a date night. We do a wine tasting at the beginning because we're trying to get pro with wine. We're not. Love we're it. not yeah. at all right now, but we're trying to. And then uh and then sometimes we get a little saucy. And then after we turn off the mic, we definitely get a little saucy once you know you guys are out of there. But uh once the lights go off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But no, it's so much fun. And uh, we're just, we're basically all just about being honest, having laughs and uh, approaching things head on. So yeah, it's a good time. Come come check us out. (laughs) Love it. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.